Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple S Podcast, and today we have a fantastic episode for you guys. I just got to say, we have playoff NFL football today. How amazing is that? And not only that, but we have the biggest game in college football coming up on Monday. Kind of weird that it's on a Monday, but we'll get to that in a second. But I'm your host, Brandon Smith, if you don't already know, and we're going to hop right into it. So today is Saturday, uh, January the 9th, 2021. It's already weird to say 2021, but here we are. Uh, And today we have the first batch of three NFL playoff games. So for those of you who don't know, this year there's an additional team that made the playoffs in each conference. So instead of having six teams, it's now seven teams, uh, three wild cards instead of just two, which it had previously been. So on wild card uh, Saturday and Sunday, instead of having the usual two games, you're going to have three games, which I mean, you can't complain. It's more playoff football. So today at 1.05 p.m. we have the first of our three games and it is a good one. We have the Indianapolis Colts who were the number seven seed, the last team to make it into the AFC playoffs, traveling to Buffalo to take on the Buffalo Bills at 1.05 p.m. So I want to outline a few things about this game that I think are pretty interesting. So the first thing, all season, you know, Buffalo, for those of you who don't know, I mean, you should know, but (laughs) Buffalo is in New York. So because of COVID-19, you know, New York was hit pretty bad. None of the New York teams, the Jets, the Giants, uh, Buffalo, you know, none of them were able to have fans at their games, their home games for the entire year. So that kind of takes away the the atmosphere of, well, not kind of, it definitely takes away the atmosphere of having a home game and the benefit that that brings. So one thing that's really interesting is that the governor of New York said that for the playoffs, they will allow Buffalo to have a limited capacity of fans at their games. So that is a huge bonus or boost for Buffalo. Uh, They're going to go from having home games with no fans to home games with fans. That brings a huge advantage. The crowd noise is always a problem for opposing offenses. And, you know, it just brings that extra element of playing in front of your own fans. And we're not just talking about any fans here. For those of you who who follow the NFL. If you know anything about Buffalo, you know that they have one of the craziest and best sets of fans there is. They call them Bills Mafia. Uh, They smash tables that are lit on fire. They do a whole bunch of crazy stuff. They make a lot of noise. They get really rowdy and they really help their team win. So I think that it's going to be a big boost for Buffalo in this game. Uh, I just want to touch on a little bit of the injuries. There are a few uh, notable names to, to outline. So for Buffalo, Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, uh, they're two all pros at receiver. Uh, Congratulations to them. They're both listed as questionable, but I think that both of those guys will play. Uh, Diggs, I don't think it's too severe. Beasley's is a little more severe, I believe, but I believe he may still play, maybe in a limited capacity. But I think that, you know, your life is on the line here. You lose, you go home. I don't think there's any way that they sit because Indianapolis is no slouch. So Diggs, Beasley are listed as questionable, but I think they should play. And then on the Indianapolis side, the most notable name on the injury report is probably their best player on the entire team, DeForest Buckner. Uh, He was a first-team All-Pro as well. And I just want to outline one quick, quick thing. Um, I find it really uh, funny that DeForest Buckner was a first-team All-Pro but was snubbed from the Pro Bowl. And I think that this is just another nod in the direction that, that really shows that the Pro Bowl is not and should not be considered the end-all be-all. You know, I, I know players probably love to be 
pro bowlers and fans love when players on their team are pro bowlers but i think it's much more valuable to be a all pro because that is voted on by the associated press whereas the pro bowl is simply voted on by fans i know it does have some player and coach input when there's a player that may have missed that really really deserved it uh, i don't know how that didn't happen for deforest buckner but i mean he's an all pro and i think that to him that probably matters a lot more as well but anyway, he's the only player listed, um, or only most notable player listed on the Indianapolis injury report. He's listed as questionable, but I believe he should play. Uh, again, same reasons as above for you know Diggs and Beasley, two of the key players for for Buffalo. You know, DeForest Buckner is a key player for Indianapolis. Win or go home, I think he'll play. Now for the next game, we're going to move on to 4:40 p.m., where the Rams are going to be going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Uh, I like this matchup a lot because they just played each other a couple weeks ago in Week 16, and Seattle got the 22-9 win, and that game was to pretty much seal up the division. Uh, it all but it all but settled it for Seattle. That was a huge game. I think they were tied when they played that game, and then the Rams lost to go down a game. Uh, so that really decided it for Seattle to get this home game in the first place. The big storyline in this game. Uh, so we'll jump right into the injuries for the Rams, is Jared Goff. Will he be able to play? Uh, he broke his thumb and had surgery in week 16 in that game. Uh, he didn't look right. You know, he could barely grip the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see. I haven't heard much out of, uh, out of the Rams, and I'm sure that that's probably on purpose. They don't want to tip their hand too much as to what he's able to do. But expect a lot of running from the Rams. Uh, they are a team that can run the ball well anyway. They have very good running backs. Uh, they have Henderson, they have Cam Akers, and they have Malcolm Brown as well. So look for that. Uh, but if Goff can be, you know, anywhere close to his normal self, that'll definitely make this a game. And then on the Seahawks side, Shaquille Griffin and Jaron Reed, a D-tackle. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, the corner, not his brother, the uh, linebacker. Uh, they're both listed as questionable, but again, I think that those guys will play. Uh, just like I think Goff will play, but the question for Goff is how effective will he be with that throwing thumb injury? And now for the last game of Wild Card Saturday, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Washington to take on the Washington football team at 8.15 p.m. Uh, in this game, uh, I've been wrong on, on some of my upstate predictions before, but I have a weird, weird feeling about this one. Uh, there's something, there's just too many factors that are lining up that lead me to believe that the Washington football team are going to win this game despite what everybody and their mother thinks. So, let's get into it. The first reason, one of my friends brought this up to me uh, yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, there was a meme that they posted in a group chat, and it was, no one wants you to think about this, but in 2014, a seven-win Ron Rivera-led team beat a fifth seed, uh, Cardinals team that was led by Bruce Arians so that's you know kind of interesting you know it's a seven win uh, Carolina Panthers team they just barely won the division they backed into it the division was probably really weak that year and now this year here li listen to these similarities so in 2014 four win or sorry four seed seven win Panthers coached by Ron Rivera 2021 you have a four seed seven win Washington football team coached by none other than Ron Rivera Okay, back to 2014. So the fifth seed was the Cardinals, coached by um, Bruce Arians. 2021, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coached by who? Bruce Arians. I don't know, man. It seems like it's a little too much going on for it to be a coincidence. And on top of that, here's another reason why I feel like, you know, the upset may be in order. 
All year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not been good in primetime. They played four primetime games on the year, which is it's a lot more than most teams will get. And in those primetime games, they went 1-3. So for some reason, those 8-15, 8-20, you know, 8-10-ish, 8-30, even those start times, they haven't seemed to have been very friendly to Tom Brady and Bruce Arians in those Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. And what time does this game kick off at? 8-15. So, you know, you put all that together, you mix that as well with the fact that you know, one of the strong points of the Washington football team is their defensive line. I, I looked this up and I thought it was kind of crazy, so I want to share it with you guys. So one thing that's really interesting about this Washington football team defense is that they have just straight ballers on the defensive line. It's all first-round picks pretty much, all the guys that play. So Chase Young, obviously, you know, people would know him. He was just drafted second overall. Then you have Ryan Kerrigan. He was a first-round pick as well, 16th overall in his year. Montez Sweat, another first-rounder, 26th overall in his year. Then inside, you have Jonathan Allen, who was 17th drafted in his year. And another inside guy, you have De'Aaron Payne, who was drafted 13th overall in his year. That's one, two, three, four, five first-round picks on that defensive line. Not a lot of teams can say that. So, and I mean, they've been getting after the quarterback all year. Chase Young is going to for sure be the defensive rookie of the year. So look out for that. You know, you put all that stuff together... Chase Young seemed really hungry after the last game. He was yelling out, I want Tom. I want Tom Brady. You have your chance, Chase. We'll see how you do at uh, 8.15 tonight. So now I just want to run through the games that are going down tomorrow on Sunday. Uh, tomorrow we also have three games, the first of which is at 1.05 p.m. And we're going to have the Ravens traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. And let me just tell you guys, I'm really, really excited for this game for quite a few reasons. The first of which is that Last year, for those of you who don't remember, these teams played in the playoffs. Uh, last year, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Lamar Jackson was red hot. They were the number one seed. The Tennessee Titans were the number six seed. So, you know, the Baltimore Ravens had a bye week the first week of the playoffs. And the Tennessee Titans traveled to New England to take on the number three ranked New England Patriots and got a stunning win over them. So it was crazy enough that they got that one win over the Patriots. Not only did they do that, but they also then went the next week and beat Baltimore in the divisional round playoff game. So that was a, an unlikely win, and I'm sure that that is still salty in the minds of the Ravens. On top of that, these teams played this year. It was a, uh, a regular season game, and the Titans came away with a 30-24 to win. On top of that, so there's some bad blood from the Ravens for sure because of last year's playoff game. There's probably some bad blood because the Titans beat the Ravens this year as well in overtime at home. You know, that game was in Baltimore. And then you compound that with the fact that uh, this year when they played, the Tennessee Titans, some players were uh, having like, I guess, um, they were having a little discussion or whatever on the logo of the Baltimore Ravens pregame. John Harbaugh came out onto the field and started yelling at the players like, get off our logo. Then... Uh, Vrabel, the, co the coach for the Tennessee Titans, came over and started chirping back with Harbaugh. So there's no love lost between these teams and these coaches. I'm definitely excited to see it roll out on the field tomorrow at 1.05 p.m. Uh, in terms of injuries, there's not too, too many to talk of. Uh, the Titans don't have anyone listed on the injury report, which, I mean, that's pretty unheard of for the playoffs to be this deep in the year and have no injuries, but good for them. Uh, on the Baltimore side, their tackle, DJ Fluker, or actually I think he might be a guard now, but DJ Fluker, Marlon Humphrey, 
Yannick Ngakwe, Jimmy Smith, and Willie Sneed are all listed as questionable, but I expect most of those guys to play because, you know, same reasons as I've mentioned before, in the playoffs, it's win or go home. So unless you really can't go, uh, I would expect most guys to go. And when you really can't go, you're usually listed as doubtful or out. Next up tomorrow at 4.40 p.m., we have the Chicago Bears traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. And these teams played in the regular season as well. Uh, and, you know, when I saw that they had played, I had expected, you know, all oh, New Orleans probably beat them bad. But when I went in and checked, it was actually 26-23 for New Orleans. It was a close game, and that was actually overtime. So I guess New Orleans got the uh, the field goal to win it in overtime. Uh, one one thing about that, though, is that when that game went down, it was still Nick Foles in. Uh, they hadn't switched back to Trubisky yet. But, you know, at any rate, uh, for this game, I expect, you know, a Saints win. Uh, they're definitely the more skilled team, despite uh, Mike Thomas being out, being on IR. I don't know that he will be back uh, at any point during these playoffs, but he definitely will not be back this game. He's still on IR. I have to look into that injury still. I haven't gotten around to that. Uh, in terms of other injuries for New Orleans, though, Trey Hendrickson, that's a tough one. He was their leading sack getter, and I believe he was top five in the league for, for the year with sacks. He is listed as out as well. Uh, then for the Bears, Buster Screen, their slot or nickel corner, he is listed as out as well. And then their stud linebacker, Roquan Smith, uh, receiver Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, the corner, are all listed as questionable, but I think that those guys should play. But it definitely will hurt to have Buster Screen out for the Bears and then for New Orleans to have Mike Thomas and Hendrickson out as well. And for the last game of Wild Card Weekend, we have a rematch of a Week 17 game between the Steelers and the Browns. This time it'll be in Pittsburgh, uh, whereas Week 17 took place in Cleveland. Uh, not only that, the, the other change, the big change from week 17 to week, uh, I guess, wildcard week, is that in week 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers rested a lot of their starters. You know, we didn't see Cam Hayward, we didn't see TJ Watt, we didn't see Big Ben Roethlisberger. There was a lot of guys that rested. Surprisingly, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick played. But uh, other than that, you know, a lot of starters were not playing in that game. And the Browns got a win, probably in large part because of that. And the game was still close. Uh, even though, uh, for the most part, it was Joshua Dobbs and uh, Mason Rudolph who were getting reps at quarterback. This game, it will be a different story, but I think it'll still be a tight game. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, for one, because it's a division game, so this is the third time that these teams will play this year. The other reason that this game is interesting to me is that it'll be interesting to see how prepared the Cleveland Browns are. Uh, they had to shut down their facility once again for a couple of days because of COVID-19. So, you know, that that takes your preparation from in person, you know, you're with your team, it probably makes preparation a lot easier to then doing everything virtually on Zoom or, you know, whatever other platforms they're using to do their meetings and uh, whatever else they need to do uh, to prepare for this game. So that'll be interesting to see. Will they look like they're, you know, missing a step or that they're not uh, properly prepared in this game? Real quick, we'll just do the injuries. So another one where, you know, there's a team that has no one in listed on the injury report. The Pittsburgh Sears, nothing on the injury report. So that's huge for them. Uh, on the Browns side of things, though, they got some key guys that are listed as questionable who are a little banged up. Uh, Jack Conklin, they're really, really good. The right tackle is listed as questionable. Wyatt Teller, all pro guard, listed as questionable. Miles Garrett, probably the best player on this entire team, listed as questionable. Uh, starting corner, Terrence Mitchell is listed as questionable, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the receiver, and Sheldon Richardson. So those are all, you know, 
contributing players who are listed as questionable, again, I think they'll all play. But will they be compromised? Will they be a little nicked up? Uh, or will they have to take slightly decreased roles to manage those injuries? So we've gone over all the games. I just want to run through the, the six of them really quickly and just give you my prediction on who I think is going to win. So today, 105, we have the Colts at the Bills. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bills in this one. I just think that they're too well coached uh, on offense. You know, they have a really great head coach, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, great OC, really good quarterback. One of the best weapons in the league in Stephon Diggs. Cole Beasley works really well out of the slot. Uh, I think that they're going to be too much to handle for the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm going to go with the Bills in the first game of Wildcard Weekend. Second game, we have the Rams at the Seahawks. I'm going with the Seahawks for the simple fact that I don't know what Jared Goff will be able to do. And I'm not confident that if John Walford is in there that they can get it done. And even if Goff is in and you know he's, he's somewhat limited... I think that that won't be enough. I think that for the Rams to win this game, they'll need an all, you know, an all-encompassing Jared Goff performance to get that done. For the next game, we're going to move on to the Washington Football Team taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, and this is going to be my upset pick of the week. I'm actually going to go with the Washington Football Team for the reasons that I said before. You know, I think that there's a lot of stuff that's kind of lining up to to point in the direction of Washington. And, you know, the whole the whole Rivera strong, you know, he, he's been kind of a storybook story this year. Uh, same thing with Alex Smith. Uh, I just feel like there's there's a lot of stars aligning for Washington to come out with an upset win in this one. All right. Now we'll move on to Sunday's games. We have three of them as well. So the Ravens at the Titans. I think this will probably be the tightest game of the entire weekend, if you ask me. Uh, maybe the best game of the weekend as well. I'm really excited for this one. I think that in this one, I will be taking the Ravens. They have just too much animosity, I think, and too much bad blood towards the Titans. Uh, They're going to be playing really hungry because they lost the last two times they played. Uh, So they lost this regular season when they played, and they lost last time in the playoffs. So I think that they're going to be really, really hunting for that win. Lamar Jackson is going to be really hunting for his first playoff win to get that monkey off his back. Because everyone says, oh, Lamar's been great in the regular season, but he can't win in the playoffs. So I think that Lamar gets his first playoff win in a big game against the Titans tomorrow. Next game, we have the Bears at the Saints. I'm going with the Saints. Let's not waste too much time on that one. I think it's pretty clear. I'm not sure what Trubisky will have to offer, but I don't think it'll be enough to outmatch the New Orleans Saints. And for the last game, the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to go with the Steelers in this one. Uh, even though they didn't look good to end the year off, I think that you give Big Ben you know, a week off. You give those starters a week off. They're going to be fresh. Uh, Baker and them, they had to play hard to the last snap of Week 17. Sometimes that's a benefit. Sometimes it's a detriment, depending on how healthy you are. But you know, the, the Steelers are really healthy, and it shows. They have no one on the injury report. And for the Browns, they have a lot of key players on the injury report. I think that could be the difference. And um, I'm just not ready to fully, fully trust Baker Mayfield in big games yet, whereas Big Ben has proven time and time again that he can get it done in big games, especially in the postseason. So I'm going to go with the Steelers in that one. All right, so we've talked about the National Football League and we've talked about uh, Wild Card Weekend. Now I want to talk a little bit about the College Football National Championship game between Alabama and Ohio State Buckeyes, my team, Uh, That game is going to be going on Monday, January 11th at 8 p.m. 
kind of a weird date and time. You know, you won't you don't really expect a, a huge game like that, you know, the biggest game in college football all year to take place on a Monday night. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, not a lot of people are actually going many places right now because of COVID. So I think that, you know, it's going to be it's going to be all right anyway. But this is a huge game. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, if I'm giving my honest assessment, I believe that Alabama is going to come out victorious and be the uh, national champions of this year. But if I was being honest last week, I also thought that Clemson would beat uh, Ohio State as well. So I'm going to get into what I think is the X factors of this game. So we know what Alabama is. Uh, they're a high-powered offense. They're a stud defense with fast guys all around the field. They have stud corners. They have stud linebackers. Their defensive front is, is stellar. You know that they're always going to be a solid, very, very good SEC defense. Their offense, though, is where it gets to a whole other level. The thing also is, is that Jalen Waddle is questionable to play. If he plays, then that offense is 10 times more dangerous. They already have Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman. I mean, no big deal. Best player in the country. That's it. Uh, and then not to mention that they had a Heisman runner-up as their quarterback. I mean, again, no big deal. Just two of the best four players in the country on the same offense. And then you add a guy who hasn't played all year because of an ankle injury and is probably one of the fastest players in the entire country. So Alabama is stacked. We know what they are. But here's the thing. Ohio State, while they are not, you know, they're not Alabama. They were ranked number three uh, nationally. They only played six games coming into the playoff. Uh, they're not Alabama by any means. But they do have very good players who, if they play their best football game, I think can make this game competitive. Uh, I think that the chances of them winning are very, very slim. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put any money on Ohio State winning this game, but I think that it is possible. Um, and I think that that would be possible if Justin Fields plays, you know, an absolutely lights out game similar to how he did against Clemson, you know, another kind of five touchdown, six touchdown performance, uh, doesn't turn the ball over, that'll be key, and doesn't put his defense in uh, in tough situations with three and outs and stuff like that. It'll also take an all-in performance from your receivers. You know, Chris Olave is going to have to be stellar. Garrett Wilson will have to be stellar. Jamison Williams will have to step up, you know, kind of cut out the drops as well. Your running backs, Trey Sermon, I'm not sure if Master Teague will be back, but you need those guys to be lights out as well. Your O-line, if you, if you guys catch my drift here, basically what I'm saying is Ohio State has to play a perfect game, maybe get a bounce or two uh, to even be close to competing in this game for a win i think that they can keep it close without a perfect game but to win i think that they will need to be dotting their t's and crossing their i's perfectly to beat alabama and we haven't even talked about ohio state's defense which will have to cover all of those studs that you know we we talked about for alabama now ohio state does have a really good cornerback in sean wade but on the other side, we have uh, Seven Banks, who I'm not, I'm not 100% confident in. You know, if he's going to have to cover Jalen Wall or Devontae Smith, then it's going to be a long day. Uh, other than that, you know, we have a very good defensive front for Ohio State. The linebackers are very good as well. But again, Alabama offensively is just dynamite. Uh, we we didn't even talk about Najee Harris on the Alabama offense. That's how good their offense is. We talked about Mac Jones, Jalen Waddle. Uh, we talked about Devontae Smith. Not only those guys, but they also have Najee Harris, who won the award for being the best running back in the entire country. So here's what I think. I think that realistically, 
Alabama will win this game by anywhere from between, let's say, 14 to 24 points. Uh, but I think that it can be an exciting game. I think that the Ohio State Buckeyes keep it close for two to three quarters. And then if the starters for Alabama are still in because it's somewhat close, I think that they start to run away a little bit in the fourth quarter and take this one by multiple scores. But I'm definitely excited to see how my team stacks up against the very best of the best, uh, one of the best college football teams I've seen uh, from year to year in a long time in Alabama. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that's just about it for this episode. But right before we end up, I do want to list out uh, some of the fights that have been announced for the upcoming UFCs. Uh, there's three big fights uh, or fight nights that are going to be going down on UFC Fight Island uh, coming very, very soon. Uh, January 16th, there's fight night uh, Holloway versus Cater. January 20th, Neil Magny versus Michael Chiesa. And then January 23rd is UFC 257, McGregor Poirier 2. Uh, so January 16th on the Holloway Cater fight uh, card, which is a featherweight fight, by the way. Uh, we also have Carlos Condit, who's going to fight Matt Brown at welterweight in the uh, co-main event. And another big fight on that card that was announced is Jokin Buckley, who you guys might remember from the spinning ninja back kick uh, knockout that happened recently. He's going to be fighting Alessio DiCherico. Excuse me if I got that name messed up. Uh, that's going to be at middleweight. Uh, and then as for fights that have been announced for UFC 257, uh, that is going to be a really good card. So as we said, you know, it's headlined by McGregor Poirier the second time these two will fight. That's a lightweight fight. Uh, co-main event is going to be Dan Hooker, who is a solid, solid lightweight contender, taking on the newcomer in the lightweight division, Michael Chandler. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one. I haven't seen Michael Chandler fight yet, but he must be pretty good because... When he's been, you know, entering the UFC, Data White's been talking about him. He keeps trying to figure out who to match him up with, and he keeps listing out top guys. Like, there was talks about uh, Chandler fighting against um, Gaethje. There was talks of Chandler fighting against Tony Ferguson, uh, and then potentially even getting a title shot if he's to win his first fight in the UFC. He's going to be taking on Dan Hooker, who is currently ranked number six in the lightweight division, so he's no slouch. Uh, if he can get a win against Dan Hooker in his debut, that'll definitely put the lightweight division on notice. Uh, I really like the 23rd fight card as well because it's headlined by two lightweight fights. Uh, and both of those fights are, you know, with potential title implications because McGregor is ranked fourth, Poirier is ranked second, and then Dan Hooker is ranked sixth. Uh, Michael Chandler doesn't have an official ranking, but you would have to believe that he's got to be considered somewhere up in that top you know top five area if they're putting him against um, Dan Hooker in his first fight uh, two other big fights to talk about on the January 23rd UFC 257 card are Hakeem Daoudou who is a Canadian fighter just got a big win in his last fight will be taking on Shane Burgos at featherweight and one of my favorite women's fighters Amanda Ribas will be taking on Marina Rodriguez at strawweight that is a huge fight uh, I think that Amanda Ribas should be talked about more, and I think that a title is coming in her future very soon. And I think that that's going to start with a big, big win uh, on January 23rd in UFC 257. All right, now, thank you very much to everyone who tuned into this episode. I really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Uh, if you're on a different platform, just subscribe. You know, it does me a huge favor if you like this kind of content. Uh, I'm going to be coming out every Saturday for you guys, and I'm actually going to be dropping some extra episodes, some bonus kind of episodes in the very near future. 
Uh, I might be doing a mock draft for the NFL, maybe a one-rounder, maybe a two-rounder. I might do one or two mock drafts. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up soon, though, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. But again, you know, thank you for tuning into this episode. My name is Brandon Smith, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. Yeah.